Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Miami Nice. I am one half of the Mojito Fiends who run this ship and we keep moving because apartment building stop, ships keep moving. Vectors, baby, <laughs> vectors, vectors, vectors. I'm Blake Howard and my uh, brilliant uh, co-pilot on this ship is the awesome critic for the Tribune News Service and LA Times, Katie Walsh. Hello. Hello. I'm back, back, back again to talk yes. about this movie again. And I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to be back again. Oh, well, look, I'm thrilled that we're back together again, talking to another real acolyte of all things Miami Vice. Uh, another one of the architects of a brilliant 15 year anniversary piece for Miami Nice, uh, Miami Vice rather. Um, and it's been so, so kind of, it, it's almost for us at Miami Nice. So we've just been picking all the best <laughs> ones and, and, and choosing to talk to the great authors uh, about it. And so the man we're speaking to today is a friend of One Heat Minute Productions, has been on a number of our shows now, was on One Heat Minute, obviously on Zodiac Chronicle most recently, is jumping in to Miami Nice because he's all about movies about guys being dudes it is the one and only chief senior film critic whatever they call him just the top of the pile over there at slash film chris evangelista man welcome to miami nice it's great to have you here oh hello thank you for having me i am i am honored and thrilled to be here <laughs> so please tell katie and i let, let's dive straight in um i know that you know you've done some of your most amazing like action writing and documenting work on things like the mission impossible franchise. So you're a person who knows about big blockbuster cinema, knows about action cinema. And I know you're a fan of Michael, I mean, obviously we've talked about it um, on, on one heat minute before, but could you tell Katie and I and the folks about how your experience has been with Miami Vice? Was Miami Vice always sort of a, a formative movie for you? Or is it something that over the last 15 years, and I think we'll dive into some of the elements of your piece, that has grown on you and has become a huge, you know, essential kind of moody movie for you. You know, it's, this is like such a weird movie for me because I saw it in theaters when it came out and uh, this makes me sound basic as hell. So I'm sorry, but when it came <laughs> out, like when it came out, I was, I was in the mindset where like everything Michael Mann did had to be heat. So I was like, Oh, I hope this is like heat. So <laughs> I, I went and see it. I I had no real relationship to the TV show. Yeah. I, you know, I'm obviously aware of it. I, I've seen a few episodes, but I was never like, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up in the nineties. Uh, so <laughs> it wasn't really on at that time. And, you know, it was on reruns, but I never really watched it, but I was aware of it. So I went to the movie, you know, knowing the, the basics of you know, the characters and you know the rundown. And I, you know, like I said, I was expecting, you know, Heat 2.0, and it wasn't that. And I remember I walked out of the theater. I didn't dislike it at all. I was just like, that was not what I was expecting. You know, I was not, you know, even though it has action in it, it has lots of shootouts. You know, it opens with that that giant gun blowing body parts off it's like that <laughs> it still wasn't really what I, I was expecting and i feel like i wasn't alone there because i feel like the marketing really sold it as like this big action movie you know it's 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 michael mann there's gonna be lots of shootouts and i was like hmm i don't know how i feel about that and i honestly didn't think about it again until it came out on whatever dv i guess it was dvd at the time mm. and i rented it and i rewatched it and I was like, man, I, I like this a lot more than I remember liking it. And it became a movie kind of, you know, uh, like Zodiac and like uh, other movies like that, where I became 
gradually obsessed with just rewatching it. And no matter no matter how many times I've seen Miami Vice, it's one of those. It's like a trigger movie where if someone mentions Miami Vice. I'll be like, man, I gotta watch Miami Vice again. Or like, <laughs> even though I have it on Blu-ray, if it shows up on a streaming service, I'll be like, I gotta watch it on that streaming service, even though I own it. And it's just there's something about it. It's it's uh, you know the the pacing, which is very deliberate and very it, it's a it's like a hangout movie, if you will. Like, even though there is you know a mission or a case or whatever you want to call it, these characters are on. It's really just about these these characters just really hanging out and just, you know, against that, you know, that digital Miami backdrop. And, you know, they're just riding in boats. They're going dancing and they're they're on the phone and they're hanging out in apartments. And it's just, uh, it's such a unique sort of experience where you just watch these characters hang out. And every once in a while, they'll get in a shootout, but that's really not what the movie's about. It's more, it's more about watching, you know, guys be dudes and, and have... Uh, alcoholic beverages and <laughs> and uh, I really I, I love when Michael Mann has uh, it's pretty much the same love story and every every time he has a love story he has the same love story where it's the it, it's it's doomed these people cannot be together but they're gonna have as much fun as they can in that short period of time <laughs> and then it's gonna end with you know the guy looking out across the ocean and then the the girl leaves him in the end and I know he's done, he does it over and over again, but it works so well. And it works so well in this movie to me, where it's just like, this is such like a hopelessly romantic movie where uh, just th these characters who know they can't be together and are just like, you know, trying, trying for something and at the end, they, they, they go their separate ways. And, uh, you know, as cliche as it is, I just, I just love that shit, man. I can't, I can't get enough of it. <laughs> I love that you say that, like, you know, you're touching on them having as much fun as possible in the romance. And my mind instantly went to the, the limo scene where they just sort of, like, can't keep their hands off each other. And they're so excited to to see each other again and and steal this little moment together and i think that's so tangible and i think everyone can kind of relate to that in some way and yeah it's like they're gonna just ride that go fast boat till it runs out of gas <laughs> <laughs> and 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 he makes it fun and real and exciting and thrilling and and escapist for everyone who's watching chris just to tag on another thing you said i, I love that you talk about the hang of it because i don't know if we've talked about it as much in this movie but 
I just remembered as you were saying that, like, I love the Trudy walks out in the robe and it's two mates who are together, like talking in a house. And then Trudy pops up and it's like the girlfriend in a robe. And the inference is, oh, they might've been doing, you know, having some fun together. And she has to go, hey, Trudy, hey, Sonny. And he goes, hey, Trudy, how you doing, darling? Like just an awkward exchange that happens between mates when like your girl walks out in her robe and the inference is <laughs> there've been some like, fun times that are being had in that room, for example. <laughs> and I just love that, like, there's that little awkward moment. We don't even talk about it. It doesn't pop up again. Obviously, it's so much more significant, um, you know, in which we'll get to in the director's cut because there's the the flower delivery that forms a huge part of that additional story about Archangel de Jesus Montoya. But it's just really funny that you talk about the hangs. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's very, it's extremely relatable. Two guys who live together, roommates, and, like, the girlfriend walks out of the room and you awkwardly like, oh, Cool. Hi. How are you? Any word? Nothing. Hey, Trudy. Hey, Sonny. Hey, Trudy. How you doing, though? Who are we? It's the same fabricated fundamentals as before. I was just gonna say a lot of these character moments happen in the hangout scenes. Like we yes. don't even know that. Tubbs and Trudy are an item until that scene. And so it's like just these really natural moments of them hanging out and and then they reveal these like big character moments for us. Mm. Is that we is is there a revealable? I feel like that was when I like No, the reveal is the were. shower. The oh right. right, the shower. right. Like, of course. But it's like in the same scene. But I feel like I do enjoy that that the character moments happen in very natural, organic ways. Yes. Yeah, even if that scene they're where they're hanging they're, out in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Even that scene where they're like they're talking to uh, Eddie Marzan's character and they're like you know sort of like bullying him into helping them. Even that is like they're just like like everyone is there. They're just hanging out in his condo and he's in like his his sweat clothes. It's just just people just, <laughs> just, just lounging around. It's like it's so it's casual even though they're talking about like life or death things they're all just like just hanging out and the sun is shining it's just a such a such a cool movie in every sense of the word where it's just cool across the board they're trying to get his tv to work they're like yeah. pulling up the marlins highlights. <laughs> up those marlins highlights. <laughs> and also you touched on one thing chris about that um frustrating sometimes rewatchability because i know you two as you know, like you're, you're in the weekly grind of being the, the critics responsible for big publications and going through this sort of stuff. And, you know, sometimes you're assigned stuff you really are into and other times you're just grinding through other stuff. And I just know that on the projects that I work on, like revisiting Miami Night, of my advice for Miami Nice or revisiting Zodiac constantly at the moment or preparing for future projects. The annoying thing is a movie like Miami Vice because you're like, you should be watching something else. You should be doing research on something else. And then Miami Vice is like on a streaming service and you're like, just five minutes, like just yeah. five minutes. And I promise I'll, I, I'll get back to what I was doing. And then that is not the case. Yeah, absolutely. I have like a whole stack of things I'm supposed to be watching and I just know, <laughs> and I should be, I have like right things tonight. And I just know after I'm done recording this, I'm just going to watch Miami Vice again <laughs> because, because I'm unwell. I just can't like, I can't not watch it now. It's like, oh, I'm just thinking about everything about it. I'm like, damn, I got to watch Miami Vice again. 
We triggered you. We triggered the, the Miami Vice uh, response. It's I okay. think I mean, we, do, we do that to a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'd rather be watching Miami Vice. Put that on the bumper sticker because I'd rather be <laughs> like, you know, just let me, you know, so much stuff I watch now. I'm just like, this is no Miami Vice. I'd rather be watching that. We should make uh, merch that yeah. says that. Listen, the, mer the, mer the merch will definitely come. I'm, I'm, I, I just want us to start a hashtagging release the Miami Nice Cut, you know, when we eventually yes. have our Miami Nice Cut. I, I don't know if you've heard, Chris, but um, a great editor friend of ours, Vashini Domansky, great editor based out of LA, is uh, he's assembling a Miami Nice Cut of Miami Vice for us, which is basically the theatrical cut opening and uh, and and the action sequence at the end, um, because uh, the in the air tonight music is just a, that whisker on the nose for us, um, uh, and uh, and then the rest of it is the director's cut. So we're gonna do a little screening of it, but that's the release the Miami Nice cut. Honestly, I'd rather be watching Miami Vice. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's definitely some merch options we can go down that rabbit hole. And that cut sounds that's like the ideal version of the movie. You know? Yeah, that's like because yeah, I love the. I love that theatrical opening where it just jumps into the club and they're blasting the the Lincoln Park music. Yeah. It's like, yes, this is gonna be awesome. Yes. <laughs> it's it's audacious is what it is. It yeah. is like you're just like the audacity to just slam us into numb encore. Like <laughs> he did that. Um, oh, but yeah, we there's, we've there's been... some more merch, Katie. Slam me into numb encore, baby. <laughs> But um, no, we kept talking about, we we're like, well, we love the theatrical opening, but then we also love this, the Trudy, specifically the Trudy flower scene. Yeah. And the, and the, the coffee shop. And, uh, and so we were like, we need to just like merge them together. <laughs> so over the course of several podcasts, we this out, and thank God Blake has a friend who has the skills. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and the willingness, more importantly, the, the willingness to encourage our nonsense is what number the the chief the the chief thing there. But I, you talk about something, Chris, just to get back onto Miami Vice, that I think that that's that is a rod for your own back when you're a Michael Mann and you make an action film. And I guess it's the same with the Scorsese that if he's ever making anything. Uh, or or a Coppola, like who, who he hasn't really done it, but it's like if you ever make the genre breaking thing, you are thereby measured in those terms. It's like Heat, maybe top five top five crime film of all time. It's my favorite film of all time. Definitely number one heist film. There's nothing that compares in my mind. Fight me in the street. Um, but you know the the challenge then is if you make anything that's crime adjacent. Um, like or or has this sort of cops and undercover element it's going to be measured against it and i think he got quite lucky with things like public enemies because you know public enemies could could you know be broadly around like biopic territory even though it's a crime movie because it's relaying something that's happened with a real real life gangster and then with something like collateral that feels like it escaped it because of even though it's based in LA, it's an assassin and it's Tom Cruise and it seems to kind of escape it. But yeah, Miami Vice, like squarely, like 11 years after Heat being released, is like people are like, if this isn't Heat, it stinks. Yeah. And I just, yeah. it's so strange that that happened. Yeah. And I also think it's strange how there's been that shift over the years because I feel like, I don't want to say everyone because I, I live in my own little bubble, but it just feels like everyone I know, and when I say no, I mean in the loosest of terms. I don't know anyone. When I, when I know people, I'm talking about people on like Twitter, just like 
that people love this movie. And uh, I remember I, 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 one of my many tweets about this, someone like replied to it and was like, do people really like this movie or is it ironic? And I was like, <laughs> no, I really like this movie. I'm not being yeah. ironic. I love yeah. this movie. And it just, it's, it's weird to see that change, how it went from, it went from being like uh, this is no heat to being just ups- people just obsessed over this movie and uh, like me or where they're just like I gotta rewatch that you know, no matter how many times I've seen it like it, it just and it's it's just uh inherently rewatchable like I don't want to I love heat I'm not gonna I'm not gonna trash talk heat here but I feel <laughs> like because heat is so epic in scope and so long you can't sort of you need to there's a lot to unpack with heat and for this i feel like it's an easier rewatch if that makes sense like it's not see. it's not it's not passive like right. and, and that's no offense to miami vice but like i think we've talked about this a lot katie of moods and tones if you just want to put it something on and because you're like smash me into now encore right like when when you're there <laughs> You can just put it on and it's just on and absolutely you can rewatch it. But like, sometimes you just want to set a vibe and it's totally a vibe movie that you can just throw it on and then like maybe leave the room and then come back because the movie itself throws you into the room halfway through something like over and over again. Whereas heat is like this big epic, very deliberate. You want to ruminate on it. And I personally, I don't, I can't watch now anymore. I, I haven't watched it in some time. Um, heat which may surprise people but i've been i'm i'm in you guys are now out of lockdown and in the states broadly or like limited lockdowns and cinemas are open and things like that whereas in sydney we're all locked down and i'm like saving it i'm like i'm going to the theater to see heat at like a repertory screening that's going to be my big cinematic reward when i get the freaking hell out of this lockdown um but (laughs) so i haven't watched it but i agree with you that there's there's just something about the whole mode of miami vice is throw you in halfway through a scene, throw you in halfway through a mission, throw you in in the deep end. And so I think, yeah, there's like, it's one of those, it doesn't, it literally doesn't matter when, if you stumbled on it in the classic, you know, it's on cable TV or on free to air TV, you know, if it's halfway through the movie, you're like, oh, cool, great. My advice is on, doesn't matter. I'm in, like, it doesn't matter how long I need to do this. Yeah, I um, I I recently rewatched it on uh on Blu-ray with the the, the commentary on, which I had something I had never done before. And I actually I went on this like binge where I was watching all Michael Mann's movies with his commentaries, which I'm sure I don't have to tell you guys, but like his his commentaries are are insane in the sense that like he has like so much detail that just isn't in the movie, like the collateral commentary. He's talking about like Vincent's the music Vincent's father listened to. It has nothing to do with it. It's like he's just saying, he's talking about like where, there's like a, there's a part during that commentary where he goes off in this, this spiel about like where Vincent's apartment is. Like we never, <laughs> ever see that, but he's and, like- and, he's just, and where his suit is tailored, I'm sure it's yes. in Thailand. And I'm like, what? Like I, re- I remember later get like, when I went to Thailand, I was like, maybe I should get a suit tailored here. Cause Vincent from Collateral. I mean, only some dummy who'd watched all of Michael Mann's commentaries about 20 times thinks like that. That's so right. funny. And like, and during the the Miami Vice commentary, um, when it gets to that club scene, that that you know the, the theatrical kind of opening, he has this quote. I wrote it down at the time because I was like, this is a really cool quote, where he's like, it's seven, it's eleven seventeen on Saturday night, and at eleven <laughs> and at eleven eighteen the movie begins. Where it's like, 
the story started at 1117, but we're jumping in at 1118. I was like, yeah, that's, that's a really cool quote, Michael. Uh, man. That's you. great. I love, I do love the, the Miami Vice commentary because he does get into like the real nitty gritty things that he's like, we've recreated this mural and like, this is what Tubbs dad did and like all this stuff where you're like, yeah, he's thought of literally everything and you wouldn't necessarily pick, you, it'd be impossible to pick any of this stuff up, but it's all there and it's all like informing every character choice and that's that's awesome. But yeah, that that he thinks about all that stuff is, is amazing. Yeah, it's like when they used to do movie novelizations and they would expand on the movie and we're like, yes. that's what that's what his commentaries are like. <laughs> totally. He's just, he's just filling in all these backstories. And and Michael Mann, like you talk about, uh, you know, I, I think Tarantino has been referencing the Orca novelization, which is so different from the movie. And he's been, you know, in his recent Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, uh, tour, he was talking about Arthur Herzog's novel of Orca. And he's like, the Orca novel is so much better. Like it's different. It does different things than the movie does. It's kind of like it, it took dramatic license and Arthur Herzog as a writer is great. But it's like, if you were a movie novelization writer and you got the assignment with a Michael Mann movie, it, the problem wouldn't be like, the problem wouldn't be like having material. The problem would be like, what do I choose? Cause like, right. if you're, it, you're gonna know that, you're gonna know that Sonny is actually telling you what his dad really did. Like the, that story about Isabella Armand brothers and his dad's in a band and he was a trucker, that's real. And in that moment, he's like blending fact and fiction and then michael mann in the commentary track for example is like yeah this is where sun is like this is where really great undercover operatives they learned how to blend aspects of their real life into their undercover life so that it all you know it blends together and and then and the truth you know they can sort of calculating uh moments to tell the truth about who they are um and i, I yeah i just think of that that's like he must just have I don't know. I need to get to LA to do this, but I would love to go to his office and get in the vault because I reckon it'd almost be like a box and a file for every character backstory. <laughs> and you oh could just God, go through yeah. and just like, these are photos, these are albums, these are notes. This This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Is, you know, pictures. This is the kind of person I imagine them being. It's like, it's, it's, it's so crazy. It's such a crazy thing. Yeah, it just it also sounds like exhausting. Like I, I know I could never <laughs> yeah. I could never be Michael Mann because it's like, oh my god, I don't have the patience to <laughs> like flesh all this stuff out. Like, ugh. It's interesting though, what going back to what you said about like people coming around to this movie, like I think it's a combination of I think it's a lot of younger cinephiles who maybe didn't see this when it first came out or like didn't were they have they're not coming to it with is this going to be heat? They're just coming to it as its own thing or like, or we who saw it when it came out, like are coming to it again and saying, oh wait, I don't need to like position it within, you know, Michael Mann films ranked. Like I, my hot take, my negative hot take for the day is that I hate ranking culture in, yeah. in with auteurs and like when it, when people are like, do Fincher ranked or Soderbergh ranked? I'm like, all of their movies are so different. Like, yeah. why are we 
doing this. So I think that like when we are, but necessarily we are coming into films and saying, is this what we expect it to be? Is it not what we expect it to be? And I think Miami Vice obviously defies expectation. And then once we can kind of get past that is when we can appreciate it. Once we're like, oh, actually the digital photography is supposed to look like this or, oh, you know, we are, you know, this is how the vibes are supposed to be. And it's not, you know, this really tightly wound heist picture. It's more of a hangout mood, mood tone poem. So yeah, it's like, I think when we can get past our own expectations is when we can really dig into like what makes us great. And yeah, that is, that's perfectly said. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it, Katie. Like this is, a, so someone recently, I was, I was guessing on a, a podcast and one of their sort of wrap up questions is like rank Michael Mann. And I was thinking about my guys. So you guys are, you know, you guys are more familiar with my guys than probably anyone, but it's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a Pakula guy and I'm a Michael Mann guy and I'm a Peter Weir guy and I'm a David Fincher guy. And so when I was thinking about Michael Mann, I was like, look, I know my favorites heat and maybe my second favorite, because I just think it's truly a masterpiece as well is the insider, but I couldn't tell you any other rank. Because yeah. on any given day, whatever the next movie I'm watching is my favorite. If Miami Vices, I've watched it that day, it's my favorite. It's like my third right. favorite. And if I watch, if I watch Mohicans, that's my favorite. And if I watch Collateral, that's my third favorite. It's like, it's almost impossible. You are going to have your favorites, but it's almost like, can't you just have a favorite and then just love their work if they're great? Right. You know? And, uh, you know, the other day preparing, sorry to talk tangentially, but like I was preparing for Podcaster and Commander. I was watching more Peter Weir films again. And I watched the Truman show and I was like, this is a perfect movie. Like I was taking notes and then I put my notebook <laughs> down and I just watched it. And I was like, this is so amazing. Like it's an amazing yeah. feat of a movie. God movie should be like this. And, you know, other than like pick the best weird movie, like, I don't know, like, right. I don't know, like I know what my favorite might be on that day, but it's so hard. I, I much prefer that outlook of like, you're allowed to have your favorites and you're also allowed for your favorites to change. You're allowed yeah. to have permission. <laughs> yeah. can't, you, can't you just like them like, or not, you know, you can, yeah, they're not my favorite, but I like them. Right. And it, they're so, they're also different. I yes. think so. I was going to say, I also feel like there's a, there's always a difference between favorite and best. Yes, like, totally. Like, I think I would actually argue that the insider maybe is his best movie, quote unquote. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, but definitely, uh, definitely, definitely would hear the argument, and I'm not going to throw you out. If you said black hat, Chris, you're out of this. No, <laughs> you're out. I'm not. I'm not that far gone. But, uh, but, but yeah, I, I feel like that's a thing people don't grasp for some reason, where like best and favorite don't have to be the same thing. Like there are yes. movies where I'm like, this is my favorite movie, but I'll be like, this is not like the best movie ever made that would be no. crazy to say that but yeah. you know but yeah yeah i actually i had an this happened like a year ago an interaction on twitter where people were talking about their favorite michael mann films and just on that day i happened to be like i think my favorite movie my favorite man film is collateral and then someone replied to me and goes surely manhunter and i was like you don't get to tell me what my favorite <laughs> is like I'm just saying my favorite and like tomorrow it could be a different film, sure. but today my favorite is, is collateral. And I was just like, 
why does this person think that they can just say, no, it's actually this? I'm like, you literally can't tell me that. <laughs> so, but you know, Twitter is a place where people do that kind of thing. So uh, shouldn't be surprised. It was just funny. I was like, that's hilarious that you but, can like change what my favorite is. But so. it's also it's also fine. Like this is it what is. I don't understand. Like maybe, maybe it's because uh, I'm getting older that I just go, <laughs> I, I just go, it's fine. Like I'm right. allowed to, I'm allowed to have my favorite, Same. you know, and, and, and you can, and I, to, I totally vibe that. Like, it's good. Have a favorite. It's, it's totally fine. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a, it's odd one. I'm, I'm against rankings. Yeah. I think that that's a, you, you, you nailed it, Katie. This is another, <laughs> this is another one of those perfectly insightful, like, uh, you know, social media moments of like, we don't have to rank everything. You can just say what, you know, and I think that that was really great in your 15 year anniversary, um, piece. Chris, because it is like you you said like and it says it really in, all in the title like hot nights cold mojitos guys being dudes like <laughs> this is the movie for that like you want to drink a mojito it's a hot night you want a good vibe like this is what it is it doesn't have to be you know a historical epic or it doesn't have to be like a, a stone cold like assassin thriller in a cab it can just be hot nights cold mojitos guys being dudes absolutely and it also feels like I hate to say this because it makes me sound like I'm like a hundred years old. And it's the thing like old people say, but like, and I, I'm not that I'm young. I am pretty old, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it really feels like, even though this movie is like 15 years old, it feels like it's from a completely different time. Like I can't imagine yes. a film with like this budget and this cast and this mood, this, you know, this hangout vibe mood getting made right now where everything is like content essentially where like, I can't like, you know, Michael Mann has clout obviously, but I can't see a studio being like, yeah, this is good. We, this is exactly the movie we wanted. Like I just picture like, we have to reshoot this entire movie <laughs> because this is not what we wanted. And it just feels like it's from this whole different like world, even though like 15 years in the grand scheme of things, it's not that, that long ago, but it, it feels so different from the, the landscape of, of, you know, mainstream movies the way they are now. Especially, like, if someone was like, I want to turn a show from the 80s into a movie, they would not be allowed to do you can't whatever do that now. this is. No, no it would be would, like... We're turning... Like, I, I, I think of this really often because there's two terrific Australian films. You guys might have seen them um, by a, an Indigenous director called Ivan Sen. He made this movie called Mystery Road. Uh, and then he made a, a sequel, Goldstone. And since then, they've expanded the series, but the series has expanded into six-episode TV miniseries, um, two, two of them. So, like, two follow-up sort of in the universe with the same char lead character. And I just remember, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember watching that first one, Mystery Road. It's a great outback neo-noir. And I watched it, and I'm like, in 2013, you were allowed... So I, I like the 2006, 2013, you know, all the way up to maybe like 2017, 16, you were allowed to go and make a movie that had a continuing story that was a movie. But when they went, we want to go back and make it, even a couple of years later, it's like, no way. Like, I cannot imagine today Michael Mann being able to make this as a movie. They would have said, yeah, you can have those cars, you can have those stars, but you can't make it two hours. You've got to make it. 10 hours and it has to be for Netflix. You know what I mean? And then, and then, right. then you get someone like Michael Mann, who's like, mm, I don't really 
maybe I'll, you know, cause he's done so much pilot direction and directing things like luck and, and then been an executive producer, like sort of crafting what the show feels like and what it is rather than being the hands-on guy. And then the commitment's different. It's like, well, I'll direct the first episode and the last episode or something like that. And he's right. got to negotiate it. Like I just, yeah, I, I totally agree. When you look at it, it's like, there's no way they make this like this right now. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a really astute point. And also like, I was just thinking about this when you were talking, Chris, like nobody would underwrite this movie. No insurance company <laughs> would underwrite this movie. I can't believe they even managed to do it in 2005 or whenever they were shooting it, like oh blackout Colin Farrell, yeah. <laughs> like shooting in all of these really like dangerous places yeah. <laughs> that are, you know, you know, foreign shooting locations, all of these things. <laughs> like, in the middle of a hurricane, middle of a hurricane. All of you, yeah. It's Someone like, gets shot on set. Yeah, they're just like. like when you think about like the, it's a universal movie, right? It's like, when you think about like the, the free reign that they gave him and that they were like, okay, like go and do this. And, and you know, the other thing that's interesting, it's like, it, to me, it feels both like, wow, they'd never make this movie in 2021 but also it feels so ahead of its time for 2006 that it feels super modern. And like, I think that that's another reason why people are kind of like attaching themselves to it now is like, it feels ahead of its time in a way. And like, it's just, it, it's kind of weirdly floating in this like timeless era where it's like, it's of this era, but it's not. And it's yeah. like- I think, I also think that TV, you know, no offense to some of the great shows that are out there because there certainly are those outliers, but it feels like that TV stylistically is so about, Hey, we should do a version of X, but with this property, with this IP. So it just feels like such a recycling plant, just different sort of ephemera surrounding it. And like a few aesthetic differences, but just like structurally, there's just like enslaving us to like, let's stick with what works. And so Miami Vice sort of comes out and just is unapologetically itself. And then you see all these TV shows and you're like, are we done? Like, do, <laughs> you know, come on. Like, are we done yet? Like, is this over? How many more episodes do you need to tell this story? Like, maybe that's just me. This is really like old man Howard out of here. Like, you know, but I'm like, how many fucking hours do you need? Like, can we just cut this shit down and make this a movie so I can live? You know, I don't, I don't have any time. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's one of those things that I think that that, yeah, the, the instant timelessness is probably because of that that feeling of like recycled and like this, you know, constant, this is the new language. Everything has to be 10 episodes or eight episodes or whatever. And, and, and it's not genuine, like it's not genuinely participating in like, all right, what is the best thing for this form of art? Like what is absolutely the best? It's like, no, we're going to expand. It's got to be TV. It's got to be like this. And so I feel like Miami Vice is like one of those last ones. It's probably actually a coffin nail, right? It's just like, we're never making <laughs> movies like this again. We're never making movies like this. We're never having this much risk. We're only doing TV if we're going to spend this much money. Right. See you later. Yeah. I, I was reading an article about this series, The Chair, that's on Netflix and how, and I'm, and I'm thinking, and I watched the first episode and was sort of like, eh, it's fine. Um, but how you can sort of confer like, a sense of prestige through like aesthetic or or certain narrative signifiers or whatever and so i'm watching this and i'm like is this good like i cannot tell if it's good or not or if, yes. or is it just like telling me that it's good and i think it's just very easy now especially in tv to kind of or in series in serialized storytelling to, to just be like 
yes, well, this is actually important because it has like these aesthetic choices and these casting choices and these narrative choices. And I'm like, I don't, I kind of wish it was a movie. <laughs> I wish that the story wrapped up and ended in an hour and a half because I'm a 90 minute queen myself. <laughs> um, but, and I'm like, I'm just not sitting through the rest of this. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah, it all becomes so very samey. Yeah, everything has, it feels like it has like a checklist now on TV. Man, yeah. this is really this is really turning into old man yells at cloud. I'm sorry, <laughs> but but it just it really does just feel like everything has a checklist. Everything has to set something else up. Nothing can end. And yeah, I I really do think you hit the nail on their head where you're saying like if they tried to make this now, it would have to be like a Netflix series, and they would have to just it would just follow this really boring format and. I don't know. It's just depressing it, me to think of that. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's, <laughs> it'd be a Netflix series starring Zac Efron and oh Anthony Mackie. No, yes. no. I'm sorry. Yuck. Yuck. And look, full respect, full respect to you, those guys as individuals, but yuck. No. Zac Efron's all like healthy and shit, drinking shakes. <laughs> What are we doing shirtless, here? Anthony, shirtless. Mac Anthony Mackie's ego is completely in check. We can't have that. I want Jamie Foxx fucking off the rails flying in private jets with a huge entourage. I want Colin Farrell so drunk he can't even remember half his performance. What are yeah. we talking about? It's it's yeah, look, it's it's one of those, it's so it's so funny. Um, but Katie, that's so gross, and I hope it doesn't happen. And it, it might just be perfect. I'm torturing you. My my friend Jordan Harper, a friend of One Eight Minute Productions, a great author and screenwriter. Jordan has two things that he likes to say. One, Katie, he calls it the, the nine, 90 minute is he's he's a 90 minute fan. He calls it tight 90. He's like a tight 90, there's nothing better, right? Totally agree. Love a tight but, 90. But Jordan said like he's been talking to a screenwriter friend and like sometimes they like collaborate on ideas and pitches and whatever and he's like sometimes there's an idea and you think it's so stupid like it's the dumbest idea you've ever thought of and that's exactly the i that's exactly the pitch that gets up and i'm just like so scared that that pitch <laughs> is so bad like objectively and you've done it to like agitate us but maybe someone listening is gonna pitch it and it's gonna get up and they're like and then people are going to want to talk to us about the new Miami Vice series with Zach Efron and Anthony Mackie. And I'm going to be like, I'm going to hate it. it no. Executive producer, Miami oh, Vice 2021. Oh Me, right here. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, but this is a safe space for us to all be old old men and women yelling at clouds. Yes. <laughs> this, this is what we, this is fine. <laughs> this is totally fine. This is totally fine. I, I love that you mentioned the line, um, you can't negotiate with gravity. I think it's something maybe we haven't talked about enough um, uh, around this theme that keeps coming back with Michael Mann. And I particularly think that, uh, I think that Miami Vice, there's some, I, I think the gravitational pull for some of his movies is so interesting. And I, I think I've been thinking a lot about, because maybe because they both had big anniversaries this year of Manhunter and Miami Vice in the, you can't negotiate with gravity. Uh, because I think about Will Graham at the beginning of that film and there's that amazing scene where he's, you know, you're William Peterson and Farina are on the log sitting in the water and he's sort of, you know, telling him about these murders. And the you can't negotiate with gravity is like, if I tell you to do this, you'll go, like, it's uh, if I plant this seed, you can't negotiate with that gravity. And for, and for Crockett, it's to take it to the edge and to go after Isabella and to, like, almost fall down the rabbit hole because he can't negotiate with gravity. 
And then at the same time, you get like heat where it's like, I always think of John Voight's Nate, how cruel he is to actually tell him where Wayne Grow is. I think it's actually because he knows that Neil's going to go after Wayne Grow. So as soon as he tells him, you're home free, it's a lie. Like it's tragic because he knows that Neil's going to do go after him. So I love thinking about that concept of gravitational pull and like this, this impulse to do the absolutely worst thing for yourself. But could you talk about that? Cause I think you, you referenced it in there. And I think that that's just something that's so key to his movies. Yeah. That's like the ultimate Michael Mann line. Like I can't think of anyone else like writing that line and having it work. Cause yeah. like <laughs> yeah. that could easily be like, what a pretentious friggin' line that is, but it works. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's that pull you're talking about where these are characters, these Michael Mann characters, they're obsessed with like doing their job. They're really have to do their job. Yes. And like, even if that job is, you know, going to kill Wingro or, you know, following through with this case. And like, if these guys, you know, if Colin Farrell just runs away, he doesn't, you know, he gets away clean. He gets away with, you know, with this woman he loves. If, if, if Robert De Niro just keeps on driving and doesn't go after Wingro, he gets away, he just gets shot to death by Al Pacino. And it's like, they have these opportunities and like the manhunter thing, if he doesn't take that case, he doesn't put his entire family in danger, <laughs> but he does it because he has to. And like, these are just, you know, guys obsessed with doing their job. Like they're obsessed with other things too, but that job uh, and doing, you know, whatever they think is the right thing for that job just colors everything they do. They're just, they can't, not do it they can't resist that pull even if like they tell themselves like you know i'll be fine you know i, I feel like in the back of the heads of all these characters because they're not like you know completely insane they think like look i'll i'll get away with it in the end i'll, I'll <laughs> something will work out for me in the end there won't be that many off. scars surely <laughs> right surely. It's, like, it's like yeah things might go wrong but they won't go that wrong and then they always go that wrong and yes. it's like they just can't it's like uh it's like a tunnel vision they can't look beyond that that thing where they're just staring down this goal and in their head like it's like um, i wish i could remember who said this because it's like i'm stealing but i saw someone on twitter say this and it's like Every Michael Mann movie is about a guy just trying to get through the week. And I feel like <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's like oh. the perfect summation for like, you, like it's all just about guys just like, and like, I've been there too, where I'm just like, I just need to get through this week. Do you know how many times <laughs> I've said that? Like, yeah. to my wife, I'm just going to get through like, this week. Every it's like every week. week. Yeah, every week. I'm just like, all right, if I just get through this week, it's going to be okay. And that's what these characters where just like, if I just get this done, I'm, I'm home free. I'm going to be in the clear. And so it never funny. works out. I swear, never. Michael Mann Twitter just brings the goods every, every week they bring the goods. But when you see those, you're like, my God, that is A, hilarious. And B, so spot on that it's yeah. actually scary. <laughs> Amazing. But I, I like the way that you make this distinction, Chris, because like, we were talking to Isaac Feldberg and I was saying, oh, you know, I was saying a similar thing, which is like, it's all about like, man, do job good. Um, but it's not even just doing the job good. It's like getting to the end of it, getting through it, getting um, to the 
island on the postcard or where whatever the tropical dream is and like but that's the difference katie i think we're yeah that's the difference we're, we're, yeah we're onto something which is which you just nailed but crockett puts himself in the shit yeah, he's having he this negotiating gravity conversation with Isabella about getting out because eventually you've got to get out. Right. And then he's like, I've just got to get out. And he doesn't get out. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, he's like coaching her and he's like, do as I say, not as I do. And that's like this kind of brilliant dichotomy because it's not like really, you know, it's not like he's being, uh, 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 he, he's not, he's not being patronizing or anything like that in the dialogue. He's just like, right he's being sincere and that's why I think it's so effective, but it's so funny that the movie, like this theme that man has been doing throughout his career and what he does so effectively in a whole bunch of different ways is exactly what you said. It's like, but here you actually see the guy put himself in the shit and then get to this moment that we are so, we so relate with, which is like, I just got to get through this. I've just got to get through this. And you're like, dude, you put yourself in it. Like you're in it, you know? And, And I think sometimes some of the other characters are, compelled to be in it and then they've got to get through it or mm-hmm. I'm just doing this one last job and it's for my crew or whatever. And you know, it's who they are, but I love so much that like we literally see these guys set themselves up to be putting themselves in the shit, watch right. Farrell's Crockett do everything wrong to be in the shit. And then start going, we should probably get out of this. And you're like, you're in it, man. <laughs> you're the guy who made this happen. Yeah. He can't help himself. <laughs> no, he can't help it. It's brilliant. It's so brilliant. And then, like, I think to rationalize it, and I don't like this is me just like reading into the character's mind. I have no idea what he's thinking, but but it's like he he then changes the goal, and the goal then becomes yes. all right. I gotta put her on that boat now. That's the end of the job. Now it's it's me. It's her getting away from me and be getting away from her. And it's like, oh, you were so close to right. just like you two running away together, living on the beach somewhere, drinking mojitos every night, and now you're just gonna go back to. Jamie Fox, we're gonna go back to, to more cases. And that's the thing I love about this movie because especially with the, the theatrical cut, where it, it the movie just feels like it's the middle of something. It drops us mm. in at the beginning. And even at the end where they wrap this case up, there's still a sense that like, all right, tomorrow, or like, you know, when they recover from their wounds, they're just gonna go right back to work. Like nothing yeah. is like we're just in the middle of their story. And it's like that that week they got to get through starts all over again tomorrow it's like all right new week i just have to get through this week now they got to they got to get back they got to get back to the to the damn uh you know to, to the damn prostitution case that they just left in the middle of it <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah exactly oh my yeah. god got to get back to the club back to the club yeah. back to the club <laughs> Exactly eleven seventeen next Saturday night. You know, know, like it's just it's just unrelenting. But I think you touched on something, Chris, which is it's it's almost like, and I'm trying to think of the moment, just you know, exactly as you're imagining it. And I think you're really spot on. Obviously, we can't know exactly their internal motivations, but I think Michael Mann movies do a great job of doing this, of like letting you feel like you're able to empathize with the inner workings of what people are doing in their head and. I feel like it's that conversation where Tubbs and Crockett are in the, you know, it's like the Tony Scott combo where they're in an airplane hangar and they're just there like preparing for this final showdown. And he's like, Oh, you know, what happens when we have to take off our masks basically? And he's like, I'll do it. I'll do what I've got to do. And I feel like that's the moment you don't quite know that he means I'm going to get rid of her to go off into this boat or, but you just get the feeling like he's not going to let her 
get arrested. He's not, he's not going to let her get killed. He's not going to let her anything happen, but he's definitely not, he's definitely not going to just, he's not going to run off with her. And oh man, it's just the, that's, you know, if you could rewrite the history, you just wanted to jump on that freaking boat and go to Cuba. Like, get out of here, man. Get out of here. Go to the best place for mojitos. It's right there. Just get on that boat and just go. Yeah. Teach some salsa lessons. Whatever. Whatever. Play, play in an Almond Brothers cover band in the local Cuban bar. Like, let's go. You got the haircut. I mean, it's. They're very friendly to expats. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, refugees. Well, I don't know if that's what you could technically call it, but oh, well, maybe, maybe a, a refugee. <laughs> right. But but look, um, Chris, it's been a blast talking to you about this. Um, your wonderful pieces up at Slash, uh, which we will link in the description. Um, do you have any other plugs that you want to shout out at the moment? Because I I know that before we started chatting on air, you were talking about some upcoming TIFF coverage and things like that. But is there anything you want to shout out? Um, just like hugely thankful to have you as part of the show as part of this crew that's talking about Miami Vice because Katie and I, I know we've talked about other people's tweets and things like that but Katie and I have thoroughly enjoyed your own tweets about Miami Vice and, uh, <laughs> and you've always been on our wish list but especially once you wrote this piece it became an urgent need to chat to you about this well yeah first thanks thanks so much guys for having me I really appreciate it I had a lot of fun um uh I, I actually mean what I, I feel like that sounded like I was just saying it. That's how my voice sounds. I, I really did have a lot of fun. But, uh, we yeah, believe I'll, you. We believe you. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'll be covering TIFF for Slash Films. Look out for that. And I'm also uh, my the second season of my 21st Century Spielberg podcast is second on the way. Second season? Yes. And it's, it is uh, Spielberg in the 90s is what the season is going to be. So oh, it's, cool. We're, we're going back yes. in time to the 90s. So Chris. it starts with... Um, Starts with a uh, hook, ends with Saving Private Ryan. So that's wow. the, so be on the lookout for that. I awesome. didn't even know there was a second season. That was a genuine shock face. Yeah. I've, uh, it is this 21st Century Spielberg podcast that Chris did is absolutely terrific. You must listen to it. Um, my favorite episode is the Munich episode because I'm such a ridiculous Munich fan. War of the Worlds too. Oh my God. Um, great show. Chris is great. Oh, that's, I'm so excited, Chris. Congrats. I'm super excited about the 90s one coming along. And I know that he holds himself to such a high standard and tortures himself to make this show happen. But it's, um, the juice is worth the squeeze. So yeah, can't wait to listen to it. Thanks, I appreciate that. Thank you. Awesome. Well, Katie, well, Katie uh, I think there's nothing another, else. Another good run. An another run, another one done. I'm just, another let's, one done. let's just walk past these hospital workers who are smoking <laughs> at us again, disheveled, walking back inside this hospital and and and, and let, uh, let, let this close and just, you know, we can't negotiate with gravity. Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts.